0: Hey, when I was a kid, my parents took me to an amusement park called Cedar Point Amusement Park. Has anybody heard of Cedar Point in northern Ohio, roller coaster capital of the world? If you like roller coasters, Cedar Point's the place to go. There's more roller coasters than any other amusement park, and they're bigger than any other amusement park. Now, this was 1990. I haven't been there since. I can't imagine what they look like today. Have you noticed that roller coasters just keep getting crazier and crazier? Have you noticed that? You, you know there's two types of roller coaster riders. There's those who ride with their hands up and there's those who ride with their hands on the rail. Which one are you? Turn to the person next to you and tell, you, tell them which one you are, hand raiser or rail grabber. Kevin, what is it? Yeah, white knuckle, baby, yeah. You and me both. Helen Keller once put it this way, life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. But there are some people who take that truth, and I believe it's a truth, and they go beyond wisdom, beyond smarts and beyond safety. This guy, for example, apparently was dared by some friends to go down a water slide. But who wants to go down a water slide normally? Why not jump off of a of a roof close by. Now I've watched this seven or eight times and I am amazed at the way he skips across the water like a rock, aren't you? Isn't that amazing how he just skips right across the water? But my heart sinks each time I watch this because the margin of error is so small. If he misses that slide, can you imagine? But what about this guy right here? This guy's name is Rodrigo Costco. He's part of a handful of surfers who travel the world looking for oceanic storms. They call them liquid mountains. This is an 80-foot swell. Now, I struggle at Galveston on a three-foot swell with the boogie board. These guys go around looking to break records. And by the way, this guy made it to shore alive. He's alive. And I did read, this is interesting, if you don't make it to shore alive, you don't get credit for the record. Just a small technicality. So there's two kinds of people, there's play it safers and there's risk takers. And I have noticed the older I get, I am starting to lean toward the one on the left. I don't need to do a flip off a diving board anymore. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, and I don't want to go to the emergency room and I don't want to pay the bill. So the older I get, I start to play it safe more and more. But the opposite is true with my faith. I have noticed as the years go by, I am willing to do more and more to point people to Jesus Christ. As I begin to learn what life is really all about, Helen Keller is right. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. I want to let you know this. Every now and then God's going to nudge you and he's going to command you to take a risk. And the difference in your response, yes or no, will make the difference for the rest of your life and maybe your family's life. Abraham was told, God told him, Abraham, I want you to move. Abraham says, where do you want me to move? He says, I'll tell you when you get there. You're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to leave all financial security, all of your friends, all, all of your circle of acquaintances. And you're just going to take off to a place where nobody knows you and to a place that you don't know personally. Yes or no, are you in? He tells Moses, I want you to go free my people. Two million people under the greatest superpower in the history of the world at that time, which was Egypt. And Moses says, I can't do it. God says, it doesn't matter if you can do it. I can do it. Are you in or are you out? Yes or no. And then Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's faced with the crucifixion. He's faced with the sins of the world, your sins and my sins. And Jesus says, dad, if there's another way, can you tell me now? He says, there's not. Yes or no. Are you in or are you out? I'm glad Abraham said yes at birth a nation. I'm glad Moses says yes it saved a nation. But I'm really glad Jesus said yes, aren't you? Because it has changed my life and it has changed the course of my eternity. Research shows that at the end of people's life, people are asked, is there anything you would have done different with your life? Most say they wish they would have said yes more to the adventures of life. Isn't that interesting? People have regrets at the end of their life and it's that they didn't say yes to risks more. And I don't mind having some regrets. When it comes to skydiving or bungee jumping or wrestling an alligator, if I get to the end of my life, I'm gonna be okay if I didn't do those things. But when it comes to my faith, I want a regret-free life, don't you? These four guys became best friends when one of them, I believe it's the one on the left, admitted to the other three that he didn't like the way life was turning out. And so these four guys developed a pact. They said, we are going to say yes to life's adventures. We are going to live a regret-free life. So they developed an online community called the Yes Theory where if three of them says you have to do it, the fourth one has to do it whether he says yes or no. So this means if the fourth guy has been wanting to ask a girl out on a date but hasn't had the courage in five years to do it, the other three said you have to do it, they have to go, that guy has to go ask that girl out on a date. If the other three says you have to go bungee jumping, then they have to go bungee jumping. If three of them say we have to run a marathon without training, then they all have to run a marathon without training, which is what their most recent adventure was. It's called the yes theory trying to live life with no regrets. They've developed an online community. Millions of people are following them because they post their videos online all the time. It's almost as if people are living vicariously through these four guys because they are approaching life in a regret-free way. Saying yes to these three areas of your life today that we're going to talk about will give you a regret-free life. Here's the first one say yes to community in the course of my life that i know of i have probably watched 10 to 15 civil wars go down you probably have too a civil war is where one group of people in a country turn on another group of people in a country and they kill each other that's what a civil war is you may remember the one in the 90s between the bosnians and the croatians it was the country of yugoslavia they're all yugoslavians But the Bosnians and the Croatians started to kill each other. The center point of this bloodbath was a beautiful city called Sarajevo. If you left your house in Sarajevo to get food or water, more than likely there was a sniper on your street ready to pick you off. We were getting on the nightly news in America every night, 10,000 more people died in Sarajevo today. 10,000 more people died in Sarajevo today in the middle of their civil war. Churches would open on Sunday, people would show up, bombs would explode, all the Christians would die. Then the public library, this beautiful historic building was bombed and mortared. When the news hit, a talented musician put on his nice tuxedo because he was part of the symphony orchestra. He grabbed a chair and a cello and he went and sat in the middle of a crater in the old library where it had been destroyed, and he began to play Bach and Beethoven. And for the first time in months, the shooting stopped, the bombing stopped, the mortaring stopped, and everybody started to ask, music, is that music? In a time like this, in a place like this, in a war like this, is somebody playing music? Next day, he wakes up, puts on the same nice tuxedo, grabs a chair and a cello, and he goes to a nearby cemetery where thousands of men who have died on both sides had been buried, and he set up his cello and began to play Bach and Beethoven all over again, and all of a sudden, the shooting on both sides stopped. Is that music? Is he playing music again? And for 22 straight days, this man by the name of Vidron puts on his tuxedo, grabs a chair and a cello, and plays Bach and Beethoven, and for a couple hours every day, people come to their senses, and they stop killing each other. He was asked by an American reporter, are you crazy? (laughs) Do you think it's crazy that you're playing music in the middle of a civil war in his famous line? I think it's crazier that people want to kill one another. In the midst of a battlefield that we live in, Many people's human reaction is to pull away from community. When we get hurt, when we go through pain, when we go through the battle, fine, I'll pull back, I'll isolate myself, and I just want you to know this, Satan would love to get you isolated. What he is trying to do right now is pull you away from this group right now and pull you away from community. Ephesians chapter six, spiritual warfare. Satan is called, uh, he's like a roaring lion who seeks to devour and destroy whoever he can. Now think about it. Who do lions try to devour and destroy? I'll tell you who they try to destroy. They, When they go up to a pack, they don't attack the pack. They attack the one who's strangling behind, who is outside of the community, isolated and weakened. Say yes to community. Psalm 133 verse 1 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I don't know if you've noticed, but loneliness is at an all-time high. Now, you wouldn't think it. With the internet and smartphones and social media, you would think we're more connected than ever before. And we are connected, but we're not in community. What social media has done is it has made us compare each other, and that hasn't been healthy It's allowed us to connect and there's blessings to that, but it hasn't allowed us to come into community. We saw an example of this last summer when a 29 year old man named Richard Russell, a husband, a dad, a grown man with a good job and a steady income hijacked a commercial airliner. Fortunately, nobody was in it, nobody saw it coming. He gets up in the air and he takes a joy ride for an hour until finally he crashes it off of an island off the state of Washington. But during that hour, while he's in the middle of that joyride, he has a conversation with an air traffic controller. And here's what stood out to me in that conversation. He said this, I've got a lot of people who care about me. It's going to disappoint them to hear that I did this. Now, here it is. But I'm a broken guy. And by the end of that flight, he reached the conclusion that he's alone. And the church is here to tell the whole world that is not true. You are not alone. You don't have to fight battles alone. There is a God who loves you. He will never leave you, he, he will never forsake you, and the church is here as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to let the world know you can have community. The early church believed this, Acts chapter two, they devoted themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So the breaking of bread, which is communion, into prayer. That word fellowship, koinonia, togetherness, community. They lived in community. Now I I just want to teach you something about friendship If, if, if you've never known this. This is how you develop friends. There are two dynamics of friendship. Shared interests and shared values. I don't have a problem finding people with shared interests. I have a lot of interests. Sports, woodworking, whatever it may be. Laying around being lazy, wonderful interests. I can find people with interests. What is hard to find are people with shared values. And when I find somebody who wants to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, man, I run to them. That's what this group is in here today. We're not doing it perfectly. We're not perfect at this, but we desire to be. Most people look at me like I'm a weirdo that I would put God on the top of the pedestal. But here's how a community works. Here's how my community works, and, and, and it really is everybody's community. Whenever I look at the community, uh, look at this next graph. Jay, go ahead and turn it over. There is, whenever I go to God to receive his love, and he gives me an, in, an infinite amount of love, I can deposit that love into others. Not until you receive his love can you give it to others, by the way. But my family gets the majority of my love. I, there's only one person on this planet who can call me husband. And there's only three people on this planet who can call me dad. And so they get the majority of this. But then outside that closest bubble is a second bubble called friends. Now, all of you are a little bit different. We all have a, whether it be a small group or a big group, I can only... Probably have four to six close friends. That's all I can manage. Some can manage less, some can manage more. I don't know how anybody manages more than that, but I can have about four to six close friends who I can go to for anything and I can make a mistake and they will still unconditionally love me and accept me. That's an important bubble. But then there's a third circle, and that is what I'm calling my tribe. I love them. I love being with them. It's just life circumstances doesn't allow us to be together very often. But whenever we are together, we pick up like it's just yesterday that we saw each other. But we love each other. We accept each other. But then outside the tribe, there's another circle called acquaintances. These are people who I've met but have never had a personal experience with or uh, share real life uh, experiences with them. But then there's a final bubble, and that's the rest of the world. Now remember, our leader tells us we don't have an enemy bubble on there. We aren't allowed to have enemies. We love everybody in that bubble, amen? And that's what sets Christians apart. What is it, if you love everybody that loves you, how does that, that doesn't make you any different than anybody else, but it's when you love everybody who doesn't even like you, who doesn't even treat you well, who isn't kind to you, when you love them. That's what makes us stand apart. And so Jesus says, they will know you by the way you love one another. Now, let's bring this down. The majority of my two closest groups, the family and the friends, are people who value having a relationship with Jesus. It's just that way. They make me better and I make them better. And here's why. If you have Jesus on that side of the stage and you have sin on that side of the stage, when you walk closer to Jesus you are walking farther from sin. The closer you get to Christ, the farther you are from sin. But the second you start to distance yourself from Jesus, you gravitate closer to sin. There's only one way to sin, and that is to turn your back on him. And whenever I'm around other people who value being close to him, That is iron sharpening iron. That is us lifting each other up and continuing to point each other and hold each other and pull each other toward Jesus rather than a life of death. That's the value of being in community. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, lifting each other up all the more as you see the day approaching. Say yes to community. Number 2 say yes to contributing. Oh no. Nathan's about to talk about money. No I'm not. That's not the point of this. But since you brought it up, let me go ahead and talk about money. It's not it's not the point of contributing, but let me just say a few things about it that will bless you. This is how God wants you to live. You've probably heard of the 10-10-80 rule. I believe you would find yourself at peace if you live that way. The first 10% of what you get, which is already God's, by the way, goes back to him. The second 10% goes into savings or whatever it is that, that you would choose to save. And then you end up living on 80%. You end up living with the margin. Now, that 80 is always negotiable. Chelsea and I actually lived on 50% for several years together. That number has risen lately, uh, thank you Houston. but. It used to be at 50, but that number is always negotiable. Our front number has never been negotiable. The second God gives us his gift, we give 10% back. And here's here's why. I believe that God can do more with our 90% than I can do with my 100%. And here's my second reason. I really believe in the church. I really do. The church is the hope of the world. And whenever I plant my investment in this, it's actually making a difference for eternity. I would challenge you to consider the 10, 10 80 rule. And take the 80, buy a boat, buy a vacation home, have fun with it. God wants you to. This whole idea that God doesn't want you to have fun with your money is not biblical. First Timothy chapter six, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's a church in Washington, D.C., who offers this to their congregation. If you give to this, and he's saying it for his church, if you give for the next 12 months to this church and God doesn't bless that and he doesn't honor that and he does not take care of all your needs, at the end of 12 months, we will give you all of your money back. And I heard him say that. I thought, that is right. We believe God will take care of all of your needs. When you honor him first, he will take care of you. And so I want to make the same offer here at Venture Christian Church. If you take the next 12 months and and, and you give a portion back to him and he didn't take care of all of your needs and he doesn't bless you and honor, and honor you for that, that church in Washington, D.C. will give you all of your money back. That is the deal that we are making here today. If you wanna make an impact on people's lives, make a contribution. What I actually wanna talk about is not your wallet. It's your energy and your gifts. The Bible says that we all have a gift. We've all been given a gift by our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to say this sentence together. Church is a verb. Would you all say that with me? Church is a verb. Now I want to tell you what I was wanting to do today. No, well not today, but soon. But I got turned down by everybody who I brought it up to. So we're not going to do it. I was thinking about doing it next week. Just a little glimpse. I was thinking about everybody showing up at 9.45 to 10 o'clock like we normally do and having none of this ready, nothing set up. The music stands, the TVs, the children's area, the communion, the tables, the sound board back there, the computer back there, the front guest central, the truck is still sitting out in the front and everybody show up, are we not ready for church? And what's the point of that lesson that I was really gonna do until Chelsea told me not to? What's the point? All of this doesn't happen on accident. Somebody's got to get here. Somebody's got to put it together. And the goal of Venture Christian Church, now hear this, our goal is not to do church on Sunday. Anybody can do church on Sunday. It doesn't take much to do church. Doug and I can pull it off by ourselves if we wanted to. The goal of Venture Christian Church is to take our faith and to put it into our hands. Head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. Would you do that once with me? Just because it's always fun. Head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. Don't hit yourself too hard, Bob. Head, heart, hands. <laughs> and the goal, Jesus' goal, if somebody says, I don't want to take it to my hands, I just want to keep it in my head, Jesus walked away. He just did. And so the goal of what we're doing here today is to put our faith in. In our hands, First Corinthians chapter 12 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Every person in this room has significance today. Every one of you can make a difference. If you would say yes to contributing, I have a dream. No, I'm not Martin Luther King Jr. And I don't look like him either, but I have a dream. And here's my dream. participation, 100% hands on deck, 100% people making a difference. That's real Christianity. Maybe you've seen this video. This, this shares why you say, why, why? Well, here's a video of two dogs by a pool. One dog sees the other one struggling in the water. And so we see there's one who is safe, but he's panicking. And I think this is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to feel the pressure of someone who is hurting. What would I want somebody to do for me if I was hurting? And look at what this dog does. He jumps into the water and he does whatever it takes to get him to safety. Now here, this is encouraging, but this is also hurtful. If dogs would do this for each other, how much more could humans do it for each other? And maybe you're safe. Maybe you're eternally safe here today but there's somebody you know who's not. Are you okay with that? And somebody says, why do you want us to contribute? Why do you want the faith to go to the hands? Because just by being a part of this, we have visitors every single Sunday. You are making a difference just by being a part of this congregation or any congregation. Number three, say yes to community. Say yes to contributing. Number three, say yes to Christ. That's why we're here. This church is here every Sunday so somebody can walk in those doors next Sunday and say yes to Christ. That's why we're here. That's why the coffee's made. That's why that bread is made. That's why these chairs are set up. So somebody can say yes to Christ. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Here's a true story. I'll end with this. Three years ago this spring, 2016, a young gal in rural Kansas called me and said, hey, I need to talk to you about some scriptures I've been running into. So I, I ran to her house, uh, Melissa was her name, um, and, and she started asking the questions at her house. And we sat there and walked through the passages of scripture, what God wants you to do to be saved. And, and she, was, she was right on board with everything that day. And then we got to the baptism verses. And she said, Nathan, I've been a Christian a long time, but I've never said yes to baptism. I've never said yes to what God has asked me to do. So we walk through all the baptism verses. And when we get to the end, she says this, she asks this question, how soon can I be baptized? And I said, the biblical answer, however long it takes for us to get from your house to a body of water. Well, our church building had a baptistry about 20 minute drive away. They lived about 20 minutes north of our church. But on this particular day, there were tornado warnings in Montgomery County, the county that she lived in. And about the time she said, I want to do it right now. It hit me. There's supposed to be a storm coming. Her husband had one of those radio walkie talkie things and a storm alert came up and also on her cell phones, or not Amber alert, uh, tornado. (laughs) That's a different thing tornado warning or whatever it is, tornado on the ground, 20 miles southwest of Tyro, Kansas, the town we were in. Southwest Kansas, 20 miles away. It's going to be in Tyro, It's going to be at the church building in about 25 minutes. Melissa's wanting to get baptized. We're wanting to go to the church building. We're traveling south. Tornado's going northeast. Oh, great, (laughs) is what I'm thinking. I said, are you sure you want to do it right now? She said, yeah, I want to do it right now. So she packed up everything. She grabbed some clothes. I told her to do it fast. Uh, She threw her kids in the SUV that she had. No belt buckles that day. And I'm telling you, we broke every law in the state of Kansas getting that church building. We ran every stop sign. And I don't know how fast my little white truck went, but it was going fast. Tornado's coming. And I'm just thinking the whole way there. I'm thinking, oh, man, headline of the paper tomorrow. Uh, Family dies on their way to baptism because tornado hits them. This is not going to be good. I called my wife. She didn't know why I was calling her, but I called her to talk to her one more time. (laughs) So this is the last time I'm gonna ever talk to Chelsea. I said, what are we having for dinner tonight? She told me what what we're having. I just wanted to know what I was gonna miss out on. We got to the church building, tornado didn't hit. It went north or south or dissipated. I don't know what happened, but we get there. She repents, she confesses and she's baptized into Christ. And when she came up out of the water, all I can tell you is this. There was a burden lifted off that young woman. There was. Because burdens are lifted at Calvary. And when Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen? Say yes to community. Say yes to contributing. Make a difference. And say yes to Christ.